Hey, good morning, good morning. Everybody good? Hey, welcome to church. Uh, if you'll remain standing, we're going to read some scripture here. My name is Brad, and I'm the pastor. This is my wife, Laura. And uh, they never clap when I come out and say my name, but it's all right. It's all right. If you have a Bible, let's go to Joshua chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, uh, I encourage you to get on your mobile device and download one uh, from the App Store. You can go to uh, one called Version. I read out of the New Living Translation. While you're looking that up, next week we're going to begin a brand new series called Revived. And it's going to be amazing. We are going to be, I, I really, I've talked about this a few times, but I really believe this is the year of revival. I believe this is the year God is going to revive those things that appear dead, those things that are dead, those things that uh, in your life personally, whether it's a family member or whether it's a situation or a struggle, that, that God wants to revive those things. So if you have something in your life that needs to be revived, then I want you to be here for, for this series. And uh, we're going to kick it off with uh, Ash Wednesday. This Wednesday is going to be a special core community, 6.30 dinner, 7 o'clock um, programming for all ages. But we're going to begin the Lent season. If you don't know what Lent is, go to corechurch.com and you can get all the Lent info there. We're going to have a special Lent reading, uh, daily reading that goes right along with that. But basically Lent is just the 40 days leading up to Easter to prepare us for that season. So Joshua chapter 5, um, and if they could get the house lights so those of us that have the paper Bible can see, uh, that would be awesome as well. Let me give you some background here if you're new to church. This is written um, after this guy's namesake. His name is Joshua. Children of Israel had been in captivity for 400 years. They got set free. There was a whole bunch of plagues. Moses let them out, parting of the Red Sea, and they are on the cusp of entering the promised land. Moses has died. Joshua is going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And we're going to pick it up in verse uh, 6. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years till all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died. But they disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed that he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. And I like this. This is great. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Can I get an amen from the men? <laughs> Man. Uh, just keep reading. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. And go down now to verse 11. It says, the very next day, verse 11, the very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. Let's pray together for a moment. Father, in this moment we come to look at your scripture and so would you speak to each of us here today? You have a message of hope, of healing, of peace and purpose for all of us who are gathered here today. Pray for those people around you. They'll be open. You don't know what they're dealing with. Let's pray for our families. Let's, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray right now. Just God help me. Help me to hear from your word. And, and pray, would you pray for Laura and I? We would really appreciate that. If your prayers would be with us, that we would be faithful to the text and what 
God wants to say. All right, if you're ready to hear from the Word of God, give me a big rousing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, that's good. You can be seated. Well, Laura and I, um, we have, uh, we'll give them our background. We have. We have four kids, been parenting for 32 years. Um, 32 straight years. Would you, yeah. would you just, let's just pray right now. Would you just pray? Third, did you catch We're that? We're tired. <laughs> we are some tired, worn out <laughs> parents. Well, and as parents, we will do just about anything really to sacrifice for our children. And yeah. we kind of have. <laughs> a lot. Is that not true? Can I get an amen from mom and dad? Come on. Yeah. Anybody had their kids in youth sports before? Because you can testify. Raise your hand if you had a kid in youth sports. Okay. Is that not, that's like right, Jesus went to the cross. That's the greatest sacrifice. The second greatest <laughs> sacrifice is youth sports. Amen. You'll drive just about to anywhere, some, some little podunk town, you know. You're yeah, like. We, and you'll, you, for some weekend tournament. That yeah. you don't even know when you're playing. So you got to give up the whole thing. Like, oh, yeah, we play at 1 if we win. But if we lose, we'll play at 11. But if we lose that game and that other team wins, then we're going to play Friday at 1 o'clock. What? When are we playing? Oh, and by the way, you got to spend the night in a motel and pay all the. Oh, let's not talk about the money. Yeah, yeah no. Take out the a small money, loan. The money for you sports is insane. Yeah, and I remember our, our oldest son, when that kind of came onto the scene, like you just had to have everything so slick, you know, and they came to me and they go, well, he needs a gym bag. And I'm like, okay. And they were like, he needs a gym bag with a special embroidery on it. I was like, oh, my gosh. The, the embroidery was like 50 bucks. Yeah, we're like, how to much To put his it? name on it. I'm like, I got a Sharpie. I'll just put his name on it. So we, we ain't telling Dad how much that is. I got a gym He's bag in the attic. It worked for me when I was in high school. It'll work for him. People played games and won back then without the little special bag. You had to have special everything. You had to have the, the shoes for the game. Yeah. You had to sh- had the shoes that walked them into the game. Right. Then you had the shoes that walked them out of the game. Yeah. Pre, pre-game shoes, sh- game shoes, and then post-game shoes. I remember one... Uh, tournament we oh, no. were at it was a football tournament and um it was probably 35 degrees pouring down rain yep you were nine months pregnant yep I was sure they were going to cancel the tournament well and instead we actually did have a lot of fun but it was a little crazy because we were watching our boys like run football you know and all of a sudden man that rain's coming down and man they're just like Hitting, hitting dirt I don't and mud wait, wait, wait. going everywhere. Seriously, I have no idea why she's smiling right now because that is not what we were feeling at that moment. <laughs> Nobody's feeling. You're like, what are we doing here? Well, and then our son ended up getting sick. Because yeah, but like, you'll, you'll make any. cold and rain and it, yeah. Mm. You'll just make whatever sacrifice is necessary. Yeah, the baby came kids. early, five days early. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a positive thing right there. Yeah. We, we added up, I did this week, and Laura and I were talking about this, 32 straight years of parenting, four kids, and I added up in my head a rough estimate. We have been at over 1,000 games. This is not including practices. 1,000 games. That's crazy. Um, recitals. Meet the teacher. We just finished that out. We did 26 straight years of meet the teacher nights. That's crazy. There's a teacher right there, Shauna, right there as a teacher. <laughs> You're loving that, aren't you? Well, what's funny is you go to the kindergarten one, and the, and the parking lot is packed out. Right. You, you can't even get a parking space. You go to the high school one, 
It's like a ghost town. Hello, hello, down the hallway. There's one other parent down there. They're like, I am going to talk to that teacher because I am tired of my teenager. <laughs> we all get tired. That's what happens. You just get tired. Just, just go. Just go. Just go. But, Here's but, some money. But all of these things, and I, I can't speak for your family, but just for us, honestly, um, is, is, it's been so great. Yeah. Uh, we have so many good memories. I mean, a lot of frustration of the money and the time and the investment and the energy, but it's been really, really good. And we wouldn't trade it for anything. The sacrifices that we've get, given to our kids is, is, it means everything to us to be able to do that. But the, but the truth of the matter is, is that every trophy, every certificate, every ribbon, every participation thing that you, you get, every jersey eventually ends up in an attic, uh, in a box up in the attic. That's just, and, and can, I, can I get the empty nesters to amen that? Do they come get their stuff? No. No. We, we got one home this weekend that could take his stuff. And I was like, hey, maybe you can take your stuff now that you're 32. And he's like, hey, Mom, I'm flying home. We can only get one bag, you know. Do you remember, though, how important that Memorial Day weekend tournament and that third grade oh. participation trophy was at the time? I mean, it was everything. But what can happen to us in the, in the course of all of this with our families is we can get so busy doing life yeah. that we lose sight of what really matters most in, in life. Well, and today, as we talk about charting the course, we really want to take time to pull back and look at the big picture, look at what matters the most in our families. Yeah, so looking at Joshua here, after Joshua um, conquered the promised land, so we read as he was going into the promised land, but, but several years later, they had gone in and they'd fought all these battles. Joshua was like 32 and one. That is a sweet record. Okay, he had all the participation trophies. Um, I mean, they had just conquered Jericho, got a massive trophy and all this. He's pretty excited, man. He's like, that's a good record. We're 32 and one. Great season, guys. Way to go. And then he stands up after they've conquered all the land. And they got all the trophies. Yeah. And he says to them, what matters most? Yeah. It's in Joshua 24, 15 is what we're looking at. This is what Joshua says. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. In other words, the trophies are great. Come on, trophies are great. Turn yeah. somebody tell them, the trophies, trophies are, great. are great. Ain't nothing yeah. wrong yeah. Nope. with nope. your kid Getting a trophy, yep. okay? Participation trophies, those are lame. Don't even take those. That's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> That's setting them up for failure. That's another sermon. I won't preach right, that here, right. okay? But, <laughs> but, but Joshua here says we've done a lot of great stuff. Yeah. But can I tell you what really matters most is that we serve the Lord. Yeah. Because this is what fam Joshua knew. Joshua yeah. knew how the family goes is how the nation is going to go. Yeah, because he'd seen through the Israelites, uh, there was a lot of anger and there had been a lot of rebellion. They had come out of the uh, slavery, but there was a lot of like anger and rebellion and it had put them in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that where we see ourselves today as a nation? I mean, there's just been a lot of anger in our nation, a lot of rebellion in our nation, and, and I don't think it's much of a step for us to say, man, are we not wandering in the wilderness as a nation right now? 
Like yeah. We are yeah. lost as a nation right now. Yeah, and if we want America to be strong, we have to, we have to make our family strong. That's yeah. where it's going to start. So I'd like for you to write this down. Here's what Laura and I want to camp on for a few minutes. So if you're taking notes, please write this down. Even if you don't take notes, fake it because it really looks good from the stage if you look like you're writing it down. <laughs> and if I say this from the stage, hey, write this down, and you just look at me like this. He's happier, just, just, he's so, happier on Sunday afternoons. Do it for yeah. me. I preach longer if you don't write down. Oh. <laughs> so if you don't write down, all that says to me is, oh, you're not getting it, Glenn, but I'm not going to call oh. anybody out, okay? <laughs> I'm not calling anybody out, all right? Get your hand off your, are you left-handed, Glenn? Glenn, are you left-handed? Are you left-handed? Okay, then get your hand off your Bre- wife for a moment and write this down, all right, Glenn? All right, here's what I want you to write down, Glenn. Strut. <laughs> You're going to pay for that. Hey, seriously, my pain meds are wearing off. That's what's going on here. He's going to get really mean in about 10 minutes. Yeah. I was backstage. Let's speed and I was this like, thing up. I was backstage, and I was like, man, these pain meds are wearing off, and I am hurting bad. So I don't know what's going to come fly. So if I'm preaching angry, okay. it's not the Holy Spirit. It's just me angry because i got to get my pain meds. So, okay. Deep breaths. All right, here it is, Glenn. Strong families. <laughs> Glenn's going to write it down for everybody. Strong families are built on strong faith. Come on, everybody write that down. Strong, strong families, families are built on strong faith. Turn to somebody right now and say, hey, strong families are built, built on, on strong, strong faith. faith. Yeah. So how do we build strong families of faith? And we really have to go back to the beginning of the story and that's in Joshua 5, 6. It says the Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to uh, fight in the battle when they left Egypt had died. For they had disobeyed the Lord. Now this is going to be key. They had disobeyed the Lord. And the Lord vowed he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to uh, them a land flowing with milk and honey. So if you're new to church and you're not familiar with, with Scripture, let me just kind of paint this picture of what's happened here. God had given a promise to the nation of Israel through this guy named Abraham centuries before, generations before. And he said to Abraham, I'm going to make a nation out of you, and I'm going to take you into this land. And this is the land you're going to go into. And then, and then God visited Abraham's son Isaac, gave him the same promise. And then he visited his grandson Jacob and gave him the same promise. He had given this promise to the children of Israel, you're going to go mm-hmm. into this land. But then they found themselves in slavery, enslaved to Egypt for 400 years. And uh, most of us are familiar with uh, Moses and the Ten Commandments and Moses and the plagues. And so there's these plagues that God sent after 400 years, he said, I'm going to set you free. And he set these plagues upon Egypt, and, and the Pharaoh sent, set the people free. And so they end up walking towards the promised land. This is a land that they've been hearing about, and they're on the cusp of entering the land. And right as they get ready to enter in the land, Moses says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send some spies in. They're going to kind of check out what it's like, come back, so we can get a strategy together, a military strategy in how we're going to conquer this land. But when the spies came back, Mm -hmm. 10 of the 12, by the way, the only two who gave a good report, Joshua, this guy, another guy named Caleb, but the other 10, they said, we can't take the land. Fear rose up in the Israelites because they began to hear about the fortified cities. They began to hear about the giants in the land. And fear gripped them so much that they rebelled against Mm -hmm. Moses. They rebelled against God. And they said, we need to raise up another leader. We need to go back. 
We look back to Egypt. This is yeah. how much fear had gripped them. And because of their fear, they ended up stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. But not just were they stuck, yeah. but their families were stuck. When you get stuck, your family can get stuck. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what's crazy about the Israelites is that, um, like Brad said, they had seen all that God had done. They had been had a front row to the miracles, the miracle of um, God sending the plagues on Egypt because Egypt was so powerful they could not get out of slavery. So God sent those plagues, and, and Pharaoh relented. So they were able to walk out, which was a huge miracle, absolutely overwhelming miracle. But then their backs are up against the Red Sea, and they saw for themselves God split the sea, and they walked through it. But yet, they doubted, and they did not believe. Yeah, is this not what happens for us personally? Because this message isn't just for families. I mean, think about this. This message today is not just for moms and dads, but this is like, if you... If you have a niece, if you have a nephew, if you have a younger brother or sister, you need you got you got to think through these kinds of these things and and where am I headed and who am I taking along with me and what where am I taking them? Because here's what happens to us, just like the Israelites, we we hear this the stories. Like you heard the baptism story, did you not? Like you hear right, the story right. of somebody being set free and you're yeah. like, "Man, that's awesome." And then and then we sing the songs, right? You're like, "I'm I, man, he's greater." And we hear the promises, and then we read the scriptures like we are right now, and we read about and we hear about these promises, but yet we can still sit in our seats mm-hmm. and, and ourselves not believe them for ourselves. Well, and for the Israelites, they had walked out in freedom, but they had still that mindset of a, of a slavery mentality. So it was a slavery mindset. They, they were in a different place. They were free. They were walking around. They were no longer slaves, but they were operating in their mind still back there in that slavery mentality, which is what, like what you said, we can do that too so quickly that we live in fear, that fear grips us, and we're way, we're back, way back there again. Yeah, we, we, can, we can be set free from our sin but not live in the freedom that God has promised. Yeah. Uh, it's like... Uh, a circus elephant. I, I heard the other day that they're closing down Ringling Brothers. I was like, oh, man. Anybody ever been to Ringling Brothers? How many of you have been to a circus before in your life? Circus people. All right. Man, it's just, I love, I love the circus. I grew, I grew up going to the circus. And the elephants, what was always amazing to me when you go to the circus is that this two-ton beast that is like nine times the size of the trainer is yeah. being controlled by this little prod, this little stick, and it just keeps the elephant in line. I've always been mesmerized by that. And then I learned how they, how they train these elephants. And one of the things that they would do is when the elephant is little, they would chain the elephant and drive a stake in the ground. And they would do this, and as the elephant grew older, the elephant got this mindset that I'm chained and I can't get free. And so when, even when they would take the chain off of this two-ton beast, he could be controlled by a little stick. Wow, that's am- it's amazing. But then I think, wow, how am I like that? God wants to bless us. He has these promises that are ours, and yet 
And he, he wants to bless our families. And yet, if I don't, if I don't believe and I don't walk out of that fear, then I will not get the promises of God. I won't get the blessing because I won't embrace it. Yeah, because the enemy doesn't want you to live free. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them. The enemy doesn't yeah, want you to be absolutely. free. Absolutely. The enemy doesn't want you to be free. He doesn't yeah. want you to, to inherit the promises that are rightfully yours as a child of God. So what happens to us is, is we live in fear. Yeah. And then the enemy can control us with just a little stick. Yeah. And he can poke you in just the right place, can he not? Yep. I mean, come on. Like, he just, you, you, you have these promises that you've heard that I can walk out of, of my chains. But right behind you is the enemy rattling the chains yeah, yeah. so you can hear them. Oh, you think you're free? Come on, let me remind you of your chains. And fear begins to grip you and you think, oh, well, maybe I can't. Maybe yeah. I can't have all, all, all of these promises. And the enemy pokes you and says, that's right, you can't have them because of these chains. And so then what happens? And Lauren, I've seen this so many times, so many ways. And it just, oh, just this week I was thinking about a family. That, that God set free, and, and the chains have been rattled on them so much, and they stopped believing the promises of God, and, and they drifted away from the house of God, and drifted away from God right back into the bondage that God set them free from. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think that's important, like what you're, you're talking about, because when we get stuck in the wilderness it's really hard sometimes for our family. Our families are, pay the price for that. Our families get stuck. And I think one thing um, that is important to, to say is so many times we, we start to do these great things for God and we're, we're like, okay, God's doing this. But we, we start to look back a little bit like they did. You look back at Egypt a little bit and say, oh, but I can't clean all that up and I can't make that all right. Absolutely you can't. I can't. I can't make things right from the past. I can't right a wrong. Um, I can't clean things up. I have to depend on God, and God cleans it up. And we have to wait, and we have to persevere because it's God that cleans and, and restores our families. Yeah. So, so when you listen to those chains yeah. being rattled, and it causes you to turn and listen more to the chains than to, to the promises. You, you can get stuck in the wilderness. God doesn't want you to get stuck. Man, d- turn to somebody tell them, don't get stuck. Yeah, don't like, get don't, stuck. Don't get stuck. Paul said it this way. Paul, when he wrote this letter to the Roman Christians, he said this, hey, you're no longer slaves to sin. We sing a song yeah. like that, do we not? Yeah. I am no longer a slave yeah. to sin. And Jesus said it this way when he said this. He said, if I set you free, you are truly and indeed free. Yeah. You yeah. are free because of what Jesus has done. Well, we have to rise up in faith. We have to believe what this Bible says. We have to embrace the promises. And when we rise up in faith and we speak faith out, we read these promises and we say, yes, that's true. No matter what I see today, we will see an amazing breakthrough. Yeah, you got to speak louder than the chains are rattling. 
Yes. Okay. That's yes. good. I yeah. didn't say that that's first it. service. That's but it. That's good. Somebody needs yeah. to tweet that right yes. now. Yes. You got to speak louder than the chains are rattling. Yeah. Okay. In other words, you got to stand up and you got to proclaim, hey, I can hear you rattling the chains, but as for me and my family. Yes. We are going to serve the Lord, okay? I mean, okay, listen, you may be rattling some chains, but according to what Jesus tells me, hey, I am free. Hey, listen, you know what? I am no longer a slave to those chains you are rattling. In fact, enemy, the chains you are rattling are only there to remind me that I am free. Come on, I am preaching up in here. Yeah, yeah. And as you, as you do what you were talking about, about the chains, as you speak out in faith, you hear those chains less and less because yeah. your mind is in a much better place. Your soul is on fire for God, and you just can't hear it. Yeah. It's amazing. Did you write that down, Glenn? <laughs> All right, okay, man, just a second. Glenn, I'm so sorry. Listen, strong families, remember, strong families are built on strong faith. Yeah. And th- this is what Joshua was committed to. This is, this is who he was. He was. Remember, he was one of the two of the 12 spies, him and Caleb, that believed. They said, I'm not going to walk in fear. So then he does something crazy. I say it in a high-pitched voice because about what we're about to read. Verse 7. Verse 7 says this. So Joshua circumcised their sons. Now, I know every man in the place is like, please keep reading, please keep reading. Uh, these weren't babies. This wasn't on the eighth day. These were young men, uh, 20-somethings, that Joshua's lining up. I mean, can you imagine? We had locker room yesterday. Can you imagine locker room? Like, they're like, hey, all right, so we got a car show in the morning. Uh, we got food trucks at noon and then a circumcision at 2 o'clock. Come on, bring a friend. That, so this is, this is a serious commitment. Yeah. These guys are making a serious commitment. So it says, so Joshua circumcised them, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. Now let me say this. If you don't, we, we think of circumcision most of the time today as this uh, medical surgical procedure, but for the children of Israel and for the Jewish people even today, it, it, it wasn't and it is not. It, it is a way in which they are marked and set apart for God. In the same way that God gave a promise to Abraham and yeah. Isaac and Jacob, he said to Abraham, listen, I'm giving you this promise, and what I want you to do is circumcise all of the babies so that as a mark of this covenant I am making with you and that you are set apart from all the other nations mm-hmm. to follow me. But that we are not under that old covenant anymore. Jesus made a new covenant. Matter of fact, in Colossians 2, 11, it talks about that. It says, when you came to Christ, when you made a commitment to Jesus, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision and this is the cutting away of the sinful nature. So this is basically what he's trying to say here is, in a simplistic term, God's taken away your sin. Yeah. It's gone. 
Like the chains that are rattling are gone. In, in, in other words, he's, he's circumcised your heart. You, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been marked as a child of God. And you are called to live for him. Like when the enemy starts rattling the chains, you show him your circumcised heart. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm a child of God. That's not who I am anymore. I'm a new person. I, I, I am marked for God. I am set apart by God. And that's why Joshua said... As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. We will serve the Lord. This past week, I was reading my grandma's Bible, and some of you have heard me talk about my grandma before. I just loved her so much. She's gone. She's with Jesus now. But I have her Bible, and every once, every once in a while, I'll do it a lot, but every once in a while, I'll take it out and read it. And one of our readings this week, we have um, a God Time study guide that we uh, have that's available, by the way, online, go to corechurch.com. It goes right along with the Sunday message, like we're going to have a Lent uh, reading, daily reading, get all that online. But our reading this week, one of them was from Psalm 127, and I thought, I'm going to get my grandma's Bible. I'm going to look at it. And some of you probably saw me post this on social media. I, I took a picture of it, and I put it up on social media. And, it, and she, was, she was old school, old school King James. So, but I, I love what it says here. It, it says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. In other words, if we want strong families, we've got to build them on strong faith. Trophies, ribbons, graduation diplomas, certificates, all part of the family. All good memories. You pull those out of the box. I mean, we make jokes about it, but I'm telling you, you get that box out and you pull that out, you're right back there. You need that. You need those memories. But you labor in vain if God is not Lord of your home. You labor in vain. And that's our heritage. I talked about my grandma. Just yesterday, we were in in Missouri. Laura's grandma 94 years old, would have been 95 this week, uh, passed away. And we gathered with the family um, to celebrate her life. Yeah. Um, Grandma was just absolutely um, sold out to family. She loved her kids. Um, And this December, I got a chance to spend the night with her and spend some time and... uh, my, it was at my uncle's house, and my uncle said, pulled me aside, and he said, Laura, you're not going to believe what Grandma does every night. And uh, she's like 95 pounds. She's a tiny little thing. She's probably less than that, actually. Um, getting ready to turn 95. Uh, and he said, every night, uh, Grandma kneels down by her bed on her knees and prays for each one of our family. And we don't have a small family. We have a very big family. I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. And uh, so it came night, and I was doing something in the other room, and all of a sudden he's like, get in here, get in here. And we were in the hallway, and the door was open about this much, and I look in there, and uh, Grandma's on her knees, and she's sitting by her bed, and she's praying. And she's just saying, dear Jesus, help my family. And at that moment, I, I almost said, do, do I keep listening? Because it was almost so precious 
that I almost feel like I was invading. I almost had to pull back because I was like, this is, um, this is so holy because she's so close to heaven and this is all she cares about. But for grandma, that was always what she cared about. She didn't care about the things of this world. She could care less. But she, I just thought, last night I was just sitting there and I was listening to a song. And I was like, it just all overwhelmed me, the whole thing. And just someone you've known for as long as I've known her, you know. And she's 95, just her history. But just to think that um, she prayed our family through so many crises. You know, sometimes we look at people, we make quick judgments, you know. We say, oh, they don't have any problems, you know. Everything's going great for them, you know. But, man, we've, our, whole, our family, with all the big family, we've had a lot of crisis. And God has used her to pray through and pray through. And I'm just so grateful that she kept believing, that she kept believing that prayer was important, that Jesus was her only source. This was going to be the only way that she could really help her kids. I think if any woman ever had a, uh, an out to have fear grip her and give up, she was a child of the Depression. Her mom uh, died when she was four years old. She had two sisters. When she was 12, her dad died. She was living in a barn, eating the oats from the horse. Christmas would roll around, and she said, a good Christmas meant you got a piece of fruit like a, an orange. And in those moments, she could have just become a slave to fear. But she just pressed through that, that fear, and she wanted desperately for her family to press through that fear. And when we... Look back at the scripture in verse 7. It says, the sons rose up to take the father's place. And, you know, men, we have a responsibility to take our place. But this is really just not just a father-son thing. But we, we have a responsibility as men and women to take our place yeah. in this yeah. generation to follow after him. Because Laura and I, as great as our grandmothers were, pinnacles, I mean, just yeah, matriarchs absolutely. of faith, we, we can't live off of their faith. We can't yeah. just live off of what they have. We have to own it ourselves. Yeah. So I know for some of you, you're like, man, that's good for you, Brad. Good for you, Laura. That's so awesome that you had a grandma like that. But, man, I don't have anybody in my line that loves Jesus. Like, nobody. Take your place. Yeah. yeah. Take your place. Yeah. Start it in your generation and say, no, as for me in my house... Yeah. We're going to serve the Lord. Yeah. If you've had that, if you've had, you know, pastors and leaders and missionaries and generations after generation, listen, you too, stand up and say, okay, I'm going to take my yeah. place in this generation. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, and just, this is what I, I was thinking about, Brad, is uh, the story. You're not going to pray yet, Glenn. Hang on a second. We'll pray here in just a moment. Is I thought about my grandmother eat, eating those oats because there was nothing else to eat. You know, the Israelites, all they had was manna. But God was promising them milk and that we 
we have this lack sometimes in areas of our lives. And that sometimes it's no fault of our own, though. Sometimes it's just there. But God does promise us an abundance. But he's not talking about all the abundance of this world. He's talking about a satisfaction of your soul, that your soul is okay, that you're going to make it to heaven just like she did this week. She took one breath in the hallway, and when she, they laid her in the bed, she was gone. And she's in heaven. And that's what, that's what we want, right? We want to we really finish strong. And that's what I think that we want to pray for people is to start or to finish strong. Okay, so that's so good. I'm glad you interrupted that seriously because um, Grandma Ruth, by the world standards, had nothing. She lived in the same house for 70 years. 70 years, same house. She wore some of the same clothes for 50 years. Same clothes for 50 years. Really never had anything. Drove old vehicles, never wanted for anything. But um, my heritage and on my line, I don't enjoy what Laura has on her line. I don't know, honestly, of a single family that has this. But when we gathered, she had four children, and there was children upon children upon children. Every, check this out, every person that gathered for that funeral, every member in her line that was alive is following Jesus. I'm yeah. talking about, listen to this, every child, every grandchild, every great-grandchild, and every great-great-grandchild. Who does not want that yeah. for their family? Yeah. Yeah. That is the inheritance and the promise that God wants to give to us. It ain't about the things of this world. That's what we desire. But to get there, what we have to do is say, as for me and my family. We're going to serve the Lord. So let me pray that for you right now. Would you just bow your heads and, and let's just talk to Jesus for just a moment like Laura's grandma would do. Let's just talk to Jesus. Hey, first of all, let's just take a moment. Maybe you have some family that needs prayer, but they're far from God. Just do what Grandma Ruth did. Just give them to Jesus right now. Just, okay, God, I don't, I, I don't know how to help them. Would you? Would you help them? Maybe today you're stuck in the wilderness and your family's not where you desire your family to be. And those chains have been rattling. And it's time for you to say, you know what, devil? You can rattle those chains all you want, but all they are is a reminder that I've been set free. And you just need to declare that right now. I am set free. I am a child of God. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. Right now, you just have to make that declaration. Listen, if you're sitting with a family member, I encourage you to put your arm around them. I encourage you to grab a hold of their hand. I encourage you, I don't care if it's your brother or sister, and it, you, just need to, you just need to grab a hold of somebody's hand that's a family member right now, and you just need, I'm with you. I'm with you. Man, there's a sister right now that needs a brother to grab a hand so that they know, I'm with you. And we're in this together. Father, help our families. Help our families. Maybe today you're caught in those chains. When I talk about the circus elephant, you're like, Brad, that's my life. I am caught up and shackled by sin. That can be gone. Jesus wants to make you new. We are into a new covenant where he says, I want to come in. I want to take the sin away. I want to circumcise your heart. I want to take the sin away. And right now, if you'll just confess that to him, God, take my sin away. Remove the chains. He promises that he'll come in, take the sin away, and inhabit your life. 
give you the promises of his child. You are his child now. You can walk out of those chains and you can walk into the promises that he has for you. Father, thank you for the promises and for the hope in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, can we give God a hand clap for our families, for what he is and who he is? So good.